TCO fam, Patrick here. This week, we wanted to share with you the very first episode of our coverage of Lorena. Lorena is a four-part docuseries that investigates the events of 1993, where Lorena Bobbitt sliced off her husband's peen after years of abuse. John and Lorena Bobbitt's stories exploded into the 24-hour news cycle. She became a national joke, and her suffering was ignored by the male-dominated press. Garbage bell for days. But she got through it, you guys, and this series tells her story. Jillian and I both agree that our four-part episode-by-episode coverage of Lorena is some of our best, funniest, and most screamy work. So enjoy our coverage of episode one. If you'd like to hear our other three episodes covering Lorena, you can subscribe for just $5 a month at patreon.com slash truecrimeobsessed. If you do that, you'll also automatically get almost 90 other full bonus episodes to binge right this second, including our episode-by-episode coverage of Serial Season 1, The Jinx, The Staircase, and Making a murderer. Once again, that's patreon.com slash truecrimeobsessed, or just click the Patreon link on our website. All right, you guys, enjoy. Girl! We're here! We've been wanting to talk about Lorena forever! I know, I know. Yeah, this is absolutely enraging and yeah. eye-opening and educational. Before we get into it, mm-hmm. I want to remind the people, you guys, come to our Pride show. Yes. June 29th, New York City, Saturday night. Yes. Tickets are going really fast. There's like 100 tickets left. It's going to be a hell of a party. Saturday night, New York, in June? Come I on. I know. Pride weekend? Are you kidding me? Give me, me a break. We want the Patreon fam there. You guys, come join us. Yeah, come hang out. Okay, let's do this. Okay, girl, chapter one, the night of. Please tell me why we're opening on Steve Harvey. Folks, now, certain newsmakers that we'll always remember, but few tales have left a bigger impact than John and Lorena Bobbitt. I do not like Steve Harvey. I don't either. Here's the thing. Steve Harvey does that thing that so many people do in this documentary where he cannot not see this experience from not John Wayne Bobbitt's perspective. Hero Bell for you. I mean, it's unbelievable. Look, I I said this to Mike and I've said this to you in the past. I usually don't use cultural terms that I think are overused because to me, I think it like loses their their impact and people have a lot of those like everyone's woke or whatever. I don't say that. I don't even think I'm cool enough to say woke. <laughs> this is a masterclass in toxic masculinity. I'm going to ask you this question. What what made you take it, though? I mean, you cut it off. Why you leave with it? That's what I'm... <laughs> now, we got to go find it. Yes. You know, who you out here? You got grass on it? I'm trying... Yes, I yes, yes. never in my life have I seen so much like the most. She did the worst thing you could do to, to a, a man. man. The thing about what drove her to that? I can't. So I can't. Here's I can't. the thing: you would think if Steve Harvey has gone to the trouble of booking Lorena Bobbitt all these years later, because it's a modern interview. It's like Lorena from like now. You would yeah, think, I think like a couple years ago. Right. If he's gone through the trouble of having her on his show, did you want to explore the reasons behind why she did what she did? rather than just getting to like the act that happened and completely dismissing 100%. anything that led up to it. Well, he's laughing about it. I know. And he's like mime wiping grass off the cut off right, dick. Right, And she's, you know, it's a very out of context thing because we don't see the rest of the interview. Totally. And but, she's even laughing. Yeah, because 
It's ridiculous. Right. Not saying it wasn't valid. I'm just saying, like, no one ever thought they were going to be talking about this in this way. Right. You just don't imagine it. I right. don't think, it, you know, she committed the one act every man fears the most. Right. Girl, what are you talking about? Get the fuck out of here. So welcome to Lorena episode one. <laughs> boy. All right. Get us started. Well, we start kind of, there are people who laugh about the ridiculousness of this in a way that's kind of like, look, you asked. Right. <laughs> you know? And then yeah. there are the Steve Harveys. Yeah. So we're about to meet a lot of people who just thought they were going to work that night (laughs) and got a call they truly never in their wildest dreams and or nightmares expected. And I received a call from Manassas City Police Department. They were requesting that county officers respond there. Just came across as a nonchalant call that went to the for also go to the hospital. What we're hearing are like the law enforcement people, like voiceovers of them talking. Yeah, and a lot of it is also transcripts from the dispatcher call, so we don't hear it. Right. We got to go through some of this. Yes. So the first transcript we see, it says, Hi, this guy... <laughs> <laughs> Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Um, This guy walked into Prince William Hospital. He was, uh, he was assaulted by his wife. Um, y'all need to get somebody over here real quick. Yeah, we don't have any information right now because the guy's in some incredible pain. Yeah. And then, okay, so the point is, they're being vague about it. Right. Because. Of course, we didn't want to give that information over the radio. The news media would pick up on that quickly. It's going to be all over the the media anyway. They're just trying to actually do their jobs right now. We meet one cop who like, this is a guy who just tells us what happened. Dude, some guy's (laughs) wife pulled his dick off. And I, here's the thing. I'm laughing because it is completely absurd. Yeah. I mean, I have in my notes, cops are literally looking for a penis. I know. (laughs) That's what their job, like, you guys, everyone here has a job, whether they're in the hospital, the dispatcher. Someone's job that night was to look for a cutoff peen. Exactly. And we're, we're going to get to all of it. Yeah. So what's happening here? We are entering the story basically in the minutes after Lorena Bobbitt has taken a knife and cut her husband, John Wayne Bobbitt's penis off. Mm-hmm. This is where we're entering the story. Right. And James, the urologist, who I love, yeah. he he's just like, you know. Uh, it hadn't been found. It hadn't been heard from. It was lost in action. We don't know where she was. <laughs> Couldn't find her. And, and James is kind of like, look, the clock is ticking here because, and they don't know what happened. Like, they right. just, all they know is that someone is in pain. John Wayne, but John Wayne, I know. It, give me a break. Uh, he lost a third of his blood, which is a lot. So the doctors are like, I'm here to save a life and a peen. Right. Like, I just, the clock is ticking. Like, I don't really have time to care about anything else right now. It's funny, too, because, like, the sciencey part of it that was also interesting is when the urologist was saying. And at that point, the only option was to do what we call a perineal urethrostomy, which is to expose the uh, mid-bulbous urethra to the perineum so he could sit to pee like a woman for the rest of his life. And that's where I thought we were headed. And I was like, oh, like, this is a survivable thing. If they hadn't found the peen, he would have been able he to He would have been live. fine. Yeah, yeah, but he wouldn't have been a man. Blah, 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 blah. I hate it. Um, so this John Wayne Bobbitt entrance is amazing. Also, do you or do you not want to keep calling him John Wayne Gacy? I always want to call him John Wayne Gacy. Listen, John Wayne Gacy murdered like 30 people. I think they're equally garbage. Agreed. 
So the entrance is amazing, right? Because yeah. we're just like, who's this? Oh, it's him. It's got to be him. Who's yeah. this schlub? Here's the thing. We're, like, the camera is just trained on this horrible, quote, like, man cave recliner couch. It's a double recliner. <laughs> and it's like, bitch, you don't have any friends. No, no one is sitting next to you. And he's one of those assholes who'd be like, can't you sit over there? You're too close to me. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's this horrible, like, off eggshell white totally, totally. double recliner that he sits and it's like... <laughs> With these double cup holders, L- he brings listen. his own like plastic. It's the size of a big gulp, <laughs> but it's not a big gulp. No, this cup is full of vodka. Oh God, is, of course th- it is. He gets drunker and drunker yeah, yeah, over yeah. the course of this interview. Yeah, yeah. It's Which, the middle of the fucking day. I'm right here. I, <laughs> but you would think if you were gonna sit down to tell the definitive story of this thing that happened to you that everybody in the world knows about, mm-hmm. you could maybe wait till happy hour. Yeah. Well, he likes to drink again I'm right here I'm just saying like <laughs> that's that's part of his person he says to I guess the camera crew but he's like I have another cup I can I can use sober one and I'm like cool story bro <laughs> I'm just like hating him know, and no one responds and he's like nope all right I'll go I'll use my big gulp and I'm like fuck you <laughs> Uh. He gets the first opportunity to tell us what happens. And so he's telling us present day in the recliner. Yeah. And also in the old news footage. Yeah. So we're even hearing how the story has changed in, in these two, right. in this juxtaposition. Now, this person is an alcoholic. You yes. look at him. He's Like, again, he's day drinking in the middle of the day, not trying to hide it. This guy has a drinking problem. Yes. Right? He sits down and he's like. I don't remember too much. I just, I just remember her playing with me, playing around with me while I was sleeping but I you know and I'm like you mean passed out you passed out and then he's like she was playing with me trying to get me aroused she put her arms around me I started going back to sleep you mean you started passing out you passed out you couldn't even stay awake to have sex in your story right exactly then I felt a pull and then a jerk He's talking about how, like, he was confused. He didn't know what was going on. You guys, he was hammered. 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 My, anyway. my new best friend tells us as much in a little bit, the, yeah. the technician, the crime lab. Oh, oh yeah. I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> uh. So we hear that, like, his friend Robbie, like, John's friend Robbie was staying with them. And right. I'm like, think about how annoying that is. I know, I know. You're drunk husband and his drunk idiot friend like stop (laughs) so John like finally comes to and realizes what's happened and he goes to wake up Robbie by kicking him which means that Robbie's just sleeping on the floor Think about it. Robbie, Robbie's passed out on the fucking floor 100%. and John had to kick him awake. Yeah. Don't act like that's not what happened, John, right. John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> and he was annoyed because Robbie... I kind of was like waiting for my friend to get ready because he, he went and brushed his teeth. <laughs> I'm with John on... The, it's a little insensitive of Robbie's part. You guys, he's missing a dick. Get him to the hospital. But he is one. He's right. just one big dick. <laughs> And so then we get John back in the day saying that Lorena did this because he was leaving her and she's such a crazy, hysterical woman yep. and he's such a goddamn prize. He's like Ken Kratz. Right. He's such a prize <laughs> that how, you know, she was she was so upset so she cut my dick off. Like, right. obviously, wouldn't you? Right, right. Um, and then present day, he's just slurring. He's like... But I didn't know how shocked she was. I thought she was just going to be as happy as I was calling it quits. But us men don't understand women. He's drunk. Yeah. He drank before they got there to ease the nerves of talking about this. Totally. Then, garbage on garbage, we see 
Garbage John on Garbage Jenny Jones. If you oh. guys remember Jenny Jones from back in the day, she was like, she would do shows where there was like gay panic shit all the time. Uh-huh. Somebody Satanic a, panic. Yep. Yeah, a gay guy was murdered because she did a trick where this straight guy was on set. The whole idea of the show was someone's in love with you. You're going to find out who in your life is in love with you. Oh, fuck that. And it turned out to be a guy. The straight guy went and killed that guy. Oh, my God. They, whatever. Jenny Jones already has blood on her hands. No, that's garbage. garbage. Jenny totally, Jones. totally, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, you know who's not garbage? Who? Cindy Leo, the crime scene technician. Cindy Leo, listen, I don't know if she teaches or not, but she seems like she should. Yes, because she's immediately, just think of everything she says is like some stupid man told me, and then I realized <laughs> that's really the theme of Cindy Leo. So when I came in the first thing in the morning, I was told to respond over to Maplewood Drive in regards to... Um, a wife that had cut her husband's penis off. So some stupid guy tells her that they thought Lorena swallowed it? Can we slow that down? Cindy is saying that the sheriff or whoever told her mm-hmm. this woman cut her husband's penis off and then swallowed it. Mm-hmm. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah, we're only two minutes in. And Cindy's like, no, bitch. She walks us through verbally the crime scene, but she's there. She's right. like at the apartment. I know, like, it's today. so weird. I know. I know. You're like seeing the house where this happens. Yeah, and she's like... When I arrived on the scene... The first thing I noticed was there was blood droplets in the parking lot next to where these cars would be. Going into the sidewalk and going up the stairs to apartment number five. And then went through the living room and into a bedroom on the left-hand side, which would be probably that balcony right up there. So no, the penis is somewhere. (laughs) We just got to find it. Some of us have to work, gentlemen, so can I do my job? Right. And then it cuts to these, like, dude cops. I gotta say, these cops are all, they really just wanted to do the right thing. This cop is like, you know what? I wanted to find the penis. You know what? <laughs> I remember that night. And he also has this vivid, he says, I'm like, where is this going? He's like, when I got to the bed. I remember shining my, um, my, my, my flashlight. And even to this day, I have this vivid picture of a, um, a butt imprint. And inside the butt imprint, if I would have actually stuck my fingers down and measured, it probably seemed like about a good inch deep that was filled with blood. It was a blood butt print. Right. Then cut to Cindy. She's like, let the women do the work. And she's like... <laughs> From what I was advised, he was extremely intoxicated, and that's why he laid on the bed for a while after the the um, the penis was cut off. I don't think he felt it right away. Because what happened is that he laid back down on the bed. That's why there was all the blood and the butt print. Like, right. he didn't even realize what was happening. Yeah. That's how hammered he was. And he's going to later on try to tell you that he had only had a couple drinks. Imagine somebody comes into your house and cuts your arm off. You're going to run screaming to call a 911. Like, what? He was so fucked up. He didn't know what the hell was going and on. And people say, like, oh, that sobered me right up. Like, when, when tragedy happens yeah. or something where you're like, I kind of need, like, my faculties right now, for the most part, you get... Get back what you need. Yeah. That's how drunk he was. And also somewhere in the back of his mind, he's like, I had this coming. I mean. Yeah. So the cops, you guys, the cops are looking everywhere. They look in the kitchen. They look in the freezer. They look in the garbage disposal. In the dishwasher. In the dishwasher. <laughs> but you know what they find while they're looking for the peen? What? They find pamphlets about rape and how to get out of an abusive marriage. Yeah. So while I was chuckling about where they were looking, shit got real, real fast. You sobered up real quick, yeah. didn't you? <laughs> See? It happens. Yeah. So so now we get Lorena's taped interview from back then. They they were both doing tons of interviews. Yes. So we're just getting flashback yeah. footage. If you guys weren't alive for this, I, this is one of the things I remember the most about this time. Like, it was the OJ thing, and uh-huh. there was this, and the Madonna Blind Ambition Tour. Right. <laughs> the three most important things to happen in the 90s. I was there. I know. 
<laughs> so in Lorena's taped interview from back in the day, she explains like that she was just screaming and crying and trying to get to her friend Jana. Jenna's interesting. Jenna also does interviews. Everyone involved is like doing a press media tour. It's true. Jenna's gorgeous. Jenna is, is something. Yeah, she's a very successful woman. She owns nail salons, and and Lorena like idolized her. She's like she's wealthy. She's got beautiful clothes and a nice car and a beautiful house. I wanted to be like her. Yeah, and Lorena says like she was my best friend. But if you ask Jenna, Jenna would be like I was her boss. Right. <laughs> right. And then there's this part where we get this interview with Jenna, and she's like. I tried to calm her down, and she's crying. And then she said, I cut his penis off. And I said, you did what? You did what? I'm sorry, what? (laughs) W-U-T. What we are learning is that Lorena's side of the story is that he was raping her Mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah, it was a very, very, very abusive relationship. Yeah, like she just didn't want to have sex with him. He was raping her. She goes to see Jana. Jana's like, girl, I know that you just cut his peen off, but you need to go like to the police station and report the rape. Right. At least start getting your story down on paper somewhere. Right. So she does. Yeah. So she goes without a lawyer. She's uh-huh. obviously distraught. What Jana should have said was like, let me get you a lawyer and like have some tea first. We'll and we'll, we'll figure something out. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. No, Jana does make a phone call. Not the best one. Yeah. And even the cop who like takes her statement is like, she was saying that she was being raped and that's awful and we're going to get to that but sweetheart where's the penis where's the penis more yeah. importantly yeah. the yeah. men in the room want to know where the goddamn penis it's is true. and all the women are like being a woman it, it wasn't as big a deal for us you know we're like thinking god what did he do to make her do something like that it's true and i will say being more of a woman than a man i can say that like i do understand that these cops they don't know what happened they are kind of trying to save this guy's life they don't know that he's garbage they don't know you know and they're like well, there's a small window where if we're going to reattach this thing we got to we got to find it well the thing is everyone is just trying to do their jobs at this point uh-huh. and like, like that's way better said that's yeah. really it and no, they're not trying to ignore anything right but like they yeah. just have to do their jobs they believe lorena they want to help her but they're also like sweetie girl can you also just tell us where the penis yeah. The peen that you cut off. Yeah. yeah. None of the women care, though. I, I know. <laughs> so now we get present day Lorena looking like a goddamn million bucks. My favorite thing, I fucking love it when documentaries do this, where like, as somebody's talking about her, it cuts away from the interview of that person and it just goes to like following this woman yeah. through the set of cameras and lights and it's as great. She's, like, she's sitting down and then all of a sudden we're seeing like modern day Lorena Bobbitt. It's fucking great filmmaking. Yeah, you know, like fixing her mic yeah. or like getting ready, yeah. you know. She looks incredible. She looks great. Yeah. So she's telling us now like her memory of being questioned about where she put the penis she just cut off. Yeah, and I think that in her own brain, she's like, it was trauma for me, too. Like, I told the police, like, look over here, and they're like, no, we looked in the dishwasher, it's not there. And she's like, I think I threw it out the window near (laughs) 7-Eleven. And then it's like, whoo, whoo, we got him. We got him, boys, let's go. And also, at some point, we get the description that not only did she throw it out the window. She tossed it out her left side, driver's side window. She was driving, so she threw it, her left arm out, would throw it over the roof, and went over the, the side and landed in a uh, grassy area. This is where I have in my notes, oh my God, the cops are frantically looking for the penis. I mean, you would think that it's like a presidential motorcade back right. when the presidency totally, actually was totally. important and mattered. Yeah. So while they're doing that, all of a sudden, we, now we're looking for the knife. Right, which she also threw out, but yeah, she did not out the window. She went to her job looking for Jana. She went to the, the manicure place. Right. So she just threw it out in that garbage. And so it, it turns out that that's like in another county. Right. And she's told them where it is. Absolutely. She's not hiding. She's not lying or hiding no, anything. Right. So Cindy, our crime scene hero, yeah. is just like. And then I was advised that she had thrown the knife into the 
garbage can. I had to get there before the garbage service came and collected the trash, and it was garbage day. So I had to get there fast. <laughs> and she threw it in the garbage. Like she's got to beat the garbage truck. Yes. Cindy is modern day Cindy is recreating the drive. Yes. She's amazing. <laughs> so now we fi- they find the peen. So here's the fucking thing about this that made this me insane. This is ridiculous. So they're in the field where Lorena threw the peen. We are told modern day by one of the cops that what happened was. Officer Hurley is religious and he didn't want to apparently put his hands on it. But I heard. Sergeant Hurley stepped on it and indicated that there it is, and then Officer Perry retrieved it. Stepping on it. Also good. (laughs) He was religious and didn't want to put his hands on another man's penis. Ding, 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 ding. That's a garbage bell, not a hero bell, in case anyone was confused. (laughs) And so he makes another cop come over, pick up the peen. He's like pointing to where the peen is. He steps on it again. He's like, it's right here. <laughs> and this cop at least has like the thought of like, oh, there's a 7-Eleven right there. I'm gonna go get me a big gulp. And while I'm doing that, I'm gonna take this peen that she cut off and put it in some ice. Yeah. I mean, smart. Yeah. He literally no homoed this guy's penis. Oh, they all did. Yeah. They, that's the whole thing. It's why that friend, Bobby or whatever, the one that he kicked was Robbie. sleeping on the floor. Yeah, yeah. There was no way, it was no homo, bro. No, you no, can't no. sleep in this bed with and don't me. Don't even tell anyone you passed out here, bro, okay? <laughs> I don't need that shit. God, I hate everyone. <laughs> So Cindy, our our tech hero, was just like, in fact, again, stifling laughter. Yeah. She's like, in fact, I had to take pictures a couple days later of him standing next to where he found it, pointing at the ground. So there's a picture of him like, like pointing in this grassy (laughs) knoll or whatever. The thing is, they keep flashing back to old photos and there'd be a camera click. And every time there's a camera click, I'm like, I know they're going to show the peen. I know they're going to show the peen. I don't want to see the peen. Yeah. It's not yet, but we see it. It's one of the first, the only times in my life I can recall thinking, I don't want to see the peen. I know. uh, (laughs) But then we get to present day Lorena again. Yeah. And she's, again, telling her version of it. And she's like, yeah, I guess like a cop or like someone found it and picked it up. And she, in spite of herself, (laughs) just starts laughing. I know. And she's holding her face. Like she doesn't, she's like, I feel like this is a bad look, but she can't. You know what? She's not fucking sorry. No, she's not. She doesn't regret it. She doesn't, she would, if she had to do it all over again, she'd do it exactly the same way. And I'd be right there with her. Yep. I'd hand her the knife. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely, I would. (laughs) To say it out loud. Yeah. Like, Someone picked up the penis because she cut it off, then had it in the car with her, threw it all into the Seven Eleven, threw it over the roof, and then it was just laying there at night in the grass. Like it is ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. And when we actually then we see the peen, it's horrible. It is horrible. Now to be super graphic, they. It's she, the smallest peen in the world. Well, I think she just cut off the head part. No, because we see him. Oh my god, we you're see right. a photo of him. Yeah, with his nuts. I know. Listen, he's garbage. I'm not going to make fun of him for having a small penis. I don't fault. care. You can have a small penis, yeah. but don't rape people. Right? <laughs> yeah. My issue is that you shouldn't be raping people. Totally agree. I don't care what kind of penis you have. Yeah. Also, uh, somebody knew to put it on ice. In a hot dog bag, of all things. But the thing is, this is where we're starting to meet the nurses. And then, like you said, the nurses didn't really care. They're like, they, they keep talking about, like, the men walking around, like, crossing their legs. Oh, like, God. Do your Give fucking jobs. Also, the, the official report ends with, like, it's, like, paragraphs upon paragraphs upon paragraphs. And then there's a line break. And in the official report, typed up, the last line of it is, just when you think you've seen it all. <laughs> yes! That's in the official report! And it's in a line break. <laughs> like, the comedic timing of it, even in writing, is fantastic. Where it's just, like, a, like a scene. Of words break just when you think you've seen it all. 
Dr. James, the urologist, is super proud of his work. I'd never done one of these before. I do microsurgery at the time. But I sort of had a game plan, which was essentially just connecting the artery and the major veins. So, oh, guess what? We're back to Garbage Jenny Jones. Oh, good. So now we're back in the day, and we see John Wayne Bobbitt and his garbage brothers on Jenny Jones. What was your reaction when you found out what happened to your brother? If I'd have seen her, I would have killed her. And they double, they double and triple down on that. Because this. they say if the cops hadn't met us at the hospital, we would have found her. They were like on the hunt for her. Yeah. And then that brother who is, I don't, it's not that I just don't want to be alone with him. Uh-huh. It's that I don't even want to be in the same room as him. Like yeah. he picks fights. Yeah. He's mean. Oh, yeah. He's aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of those people where it's like, dude, I'm like, I would be scared of him if I saw him in the bar. Like one apple martini in and the night's over. Right. Like ladies, everyone knows like when you're on high alert and you when you spot a guy like that, you always know where he is in uh-huh. the bar or uh-huh. the party or whatever. He's that guy. Totally. 100%. Right at home on Jenny Jones. Yeah. Right at home. Because he's like. She did worse than kill him. She took away the thing that means most to a man, you know? And I'm like, how small is your penis? I know. I, this was the shit that I could not tolerate. And it's endless. Because these men, they're really, like, again, city hick. I forget that there are men in the world who really, really believe their ability to have sex, their ability to, quote, fuck, is the most important thing they do with their lives. <laughs> oh, is- no, they're, they're here in New York, sweetheart, let me tell you. <laughs> it was kind of shocking to me. Oh, yeah, no, not shocking to me at all. Raised by lesbians. I haven't seen a lot of these guys. Oh, yeah, no. I was like, yep, there they are. Oh, in all God. their goddamn glory. So now we go back to 1989. Yeah. We see C. Everett Coop. Can we get a ding for him? Yeah. C. Everett Coop was the attorney general under Reagan. If you guys remember, that's when AIDS happened. Mm-hmm. And we largely have C. Everett Coop and Ronald Reagan to thank for the crisis getting out of hand the way that it did. Absolutely. Thank I, you, C. Everett Coop. I do have to say, on the right side of history with this one, because he, he comes out swinging about how important it is for and women to be protected by laws in this country. Yeah. C. Everett Coop also points out that... It took 100 years to create the first shelter for battered women in this country after the United States Congress passed its first law to prevent cruelty to animals. Not even passing laws to protect women. Oh, no. No. When battery is the single most significant cause of injury to women in this country. So thanks, everybody. Thank you so, so much. In 1990, 100,000 rapes were reported. Over 1 million were committed. Yeah. If you can't tell, we're in the statistics part of the documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What they're doing is they're setting up what was going on in the world at that time. It was a shitty time for women. Yeah. This is when we're dealing with Anita Hill. Mm-hmm, 1991. Who was treated horribly by the Senate. Welcome to the presidential race, Joe Biden. Yup. And the thing is, they, they basically go on to say, I think a lot of people fought and still think that Danita Hill was telling the truth, and she was treated horrifically. It scares me that when we're in a he said, she said situation, it is the man who has the credibility, it's the man who has the authority. Even women believe the man as many women believed Clarence Thomas. So Lorena says that she had to do what she calls a rape kit. Because the more she refused John, the more aggressive he got. So while she's making this report about the abuse, she undergoes this kit. Because to be clear, she's saying that John had raped her that day. Yes. And that was like what put her, pushed her over the edge. Right. So a note on rape kits, because we've gotten emails about this. Yeah. A rape kit is a misnomer. They're actually called evidence collection kits. Yes. So it's Thank an- you to the listener who educated Absolutely. us Absolutely. I love this. I, I really like looked into this because it's just, it's easier to say, and every SVU episode calls it a rape kit. That's uh-huh. not what it is. It's an evidence collection kit because they're looking to see if someone was interacting with you. It's not to tell you if someone's been assaulted. Right. Which is a big, big thing. They, they test every area of the body, not just your sex organs. That's really important. That, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Now we're at the morning after the incident. Yeah. 
And the press is starting to get wind of this. Yeah, we meet Carlos Sanchez from the Washington Post. Yeah, and according to him, Lorena, like they saw each other at the courthouse. He hightails it down there. He's like, when I walked in the courthouse, there was two Hispanics, uh, myself and the woman who I later learned was Lorena Bobbitt. And Lorena just said to him, like, he raped me. That's Those are the only words she said to this journalist. Yeah. So then the days are going by, and Lorena's, like, having, like, a patty melt at the diner, just living her life. <laughs> and she's starting to hear people around her being like, whoever this person did, I've been wanting to do something like that for years. Good for her. Yeah, good for her. So she's feeling empowered, but no one knows who she is. Right, exactly. You guys remember, this is, like, pre-internet. Nobody knew who she was. Right. And also because she is a, she's claiming sexual violence. Right. And so is he. It, the, the law is that they can't release their names. Right, exactly, so. exactly. We also see like the comedians like Andrew Dice Clay, uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. You know, and then and then fucking John Wayne Bobbitt decides he's gonna he's gonna take a stab at the comedy. He starts workshopping bits. I know. Hammered I know. <laughs> at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday. Yep. In front of the camera crew, who the filmmakers are like, this is genius. This I know. Is, you couldn't write, I mean, literally, couldn't write this. It's horrible. You know that they're just like, he signed the release for this, right? Yeah, like, we hammered. Can, we can actually use this, can't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Because he's saying things like... Jeffrey Dahmer called Lorraine up and said, you can eat that. Good thing they found it. Look real funny in a milk carton. <laughs> I- <laughs> they need to have subtitles because he's such a drunk, bumbling idiot. They didn't start with subtitles. They got to subtitles because he got drunker and drunker and yeah. drunker at two in the afternoon. And you know I watched with closed captions, so yeah. I doubled the... Totally. It was like him seeing double. <laughs> it was like two closed captions. So Jana, Lorena's best friend from her perspective and slash her boss from Jana's uh-huh. perspective, Jana has hired an attorney and a fucking press agent. From Hollywood. Yeah. His from name is Alan. <laughs> yeah, totally. And you know what? It was actually probably a really good thing for Lorena because everybody in the world wanted to talk to her. This guy prints up a thousand business cards. Right. And he's like, once I agreed to be her media rep, I printed probably a thousand business cards. And I said, when somebody wants to interview you or they want you to make one line comment, say, I really don't have anything to say, contact my uh, media representative. And she's like, okay. So the whole thing with this press agent is that now the press feels like it's okay to publish her name. The whole thing is that when you're accusing, like when you're a victim of a sex crime or even if you're accusing somebody of victimizing you like that, the press, they just don't, they don't use your name. No, legally they can't. Right. And so when the Washington Post found out that she hired a publicist, they're like, well, she's looking for publicity. Like you, publish the name. Yeah. And the thing is, she's not saying no comment. She's saying no comment, but here's my PR rep. Exactly. So they're like, Okay. And so Lorena tells us that like as soon as her name was out there, it was a nightmare. Everybody wanted a piece of me. They wanted to haunt me, you know, down the streets, um, looking for you know. I, I couldn't get out of the house. But then her agent decides to let her do a Vanity Fair cover story. I, so this writer, Kim Masters, I kind of love her. Me too. She was just like a kid like looking for like freelance work, and she gets hired by Vanity Fair to write this article. She gets paired up with like an apparently famous photographer. Uh-huh. They go to do this interview, and Lorena shows up and like with Jana and her publicist, and she's wearing like a Mickey Mouse t-shirt. Yeah. And and this Kim Masters is like, it was made clear by Vanity Fair that if John and Lorena weren't attractive, nobody would have cared about this. Mm-hmm. But Lorena's here for this interview wearing a Mickey Mouse t-shirt. We're yeah. getting that. Also, she brought a bathing suit and there's a pool out back. Right. And Jen is like, read my lips, okay? She's not getting into the pool. Kim Masters is like five, six, seven, eight. She was in the pool. We didn't even blink and she was in the pool. You know, looking like a million bucks. You know, her agent says, I let her do the Vanity Fair thing because I didn't think they were going to manipulate the story. Right. But then Kim Masters 
producers is like, if you guys don't stop taking pictures, I can't ha- write an article because we're not doing an interview. Right, we're doing a photo She's shoot. just looking hot in the pool. Right. <laughs> Which, if I get accused of that one more time myself. <laughs> I know. Do you it's know like, what I mean? how many times do I have to hear? I just want to live, you know? <laughs> just let me walk down the street. But then Kim Master says, like, once we started doing, uh, there's actually this really sweet story where Lorena says to her, like, don't worry, I'm not leaving. I'm going to yeah. stay and do the interview. Right. But Kim Masters is like... The thing about that interview, I have to say, is she didn't come across as articulate. You know, you could tell, like, she wasn't really in a place to present her case to the world. Nobody had coached her. Nobody told her what to say. No. You know, and we get more of that later. And there was also a language barrier. 100%. So when you are also anxious and nervous and a language barrier, it makes the language barrier even bigger. 100%. So Lorena is charged with malicious wounding. So here's the thing. We're at her arraignment hearing, and this is significant because we get this statement from Lorena. It's read. It's read by somebody else, not by her. But it's a statement that she gave, and, and what comes out of this is that it's painted that Lorena actually cut this guy's dick off because they had had sex and he didn't wait for her to have an orgasm. Yeah, basically it's being framed that he was selfish in bed. Right. She says the words, it's not fair right. in the statement. And then present day Lorena's like, I didn't know any better. What happened was this guy had been raping her for years and she had enough of it. Yeah. And so she doesn't know what to say. She doesn't know how to articulate that. And let me tell you, when you go through something horrible like that, sometimes it's just not easy to say the words that describe it. 100%. So it's not easy to say I was raped or I or he held me down or whatever yeah. like you say what you have to say then you add the language barrier and the trauma and then the, like it, it's Oh, these totally. men. I know. And then it's a shock to John Wayne Bobbitt. Now, there have been charges filed against him. For marital sexual abuse. So he like modern day John is like yeah, I hurt to walk so I mean I was uh, just recovering still and I hadn't got hit with uh, a charge of rape that I didn't do um, marital rape or abuse and um, why? It's just, it's enraging to hear him talk because he's lying, he's hammered, Mm -hmm. he's a fucking mess. Yeah, and then it hits you, it's like, oh, wait, we're at his house. Yeah. Because he's not in prison. Like, we're we're sitting at his house watching him get hammered on the cheapest vodka there is, the one in the plastic bottles, the one that's in my freezer right now. (laughs) And it kind of hits you over and over again, like, he hasn't been really punished for any of this. No, and, you know, there is a part of me, and this has nothing to do with being a guy, but I do want to say, even a horrible person like him, we can acknowledge he suffered a severe trauma. You know what I mean? Of that course. like I don't necessarily feel badly for him, but like like he did go through something insane. Absolutely. You know? Confusing that yeah. you don't understand a hundred percent. I'm sure fueled his alcoholism. I'm sure, you know, as just as a human, this thing that happened to him was awful. Of course. Yeah. So we meet Paul Ebert, who's the district attorney. He's 300 years old and doesn't have time for your shit. That's Paul Ebert in a nutshell. He's, he's like about to give this interview and his phone starts ringing. He's and like, he's what? Like, <laughs> get him on the phone. But he's like sharp, but he's still yeah. an old man. And like we get 700 because they have to subtitle him because he's so old he can't talk. And everybody that we meet that talks about him is just talking about how great he is. Everyone loves him. And he's like, they're getting ready. to. When he finally answers the phone, yeah. he finally figures out. He's like... Yeah, we're getting ready to. Uh, they're getting ready to take my picture for the Bobbit case, like like he did yours. <laughs> he's super proud of it, but then he's like, "Yeah, you know, at first I wasn't going to charge John, but those pesky women's groups right. got all hot and bothered about it, so I had totally. to shut up those dumb girls." They and got hysterical the again. They got all hysterical. With their small brains. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Then he goes, "Yeah, you know, you take take a picture, whatever you want." Okay, thank you so much. I take the picture of everything in here except my penis. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, I assure you that's not why they're here. 
I promise you that. Then we meet Greg Murphy, who's John's defense attorney. This bitch. Who at first is like, I almost didn't take the case because he's like a brutal rapist and a piece of shit. But then. <laughs> I thought I could get some publicity for myself out of this. What he essentially says is that I took on the case because John is too stupid to lie. I have that exact sentence written down. That's basically what he says. Yeah. And, you know, he does tell us some interesting facts. Absolutely. He tells us that in, like, the six months before this all happened, he pulled the records. The police had been called four times. Mm -hmm. Three of those times, John had called them. And the fourth time, Lorena's mother was actually there. It was over Thanksgiving. And uh, Lorena called the police at that time. Police came, and the mother said that her daughter was the cause of it all and not John. I don't know. I know. It is something like that part of it did give me pause. Yes. It could be a situation of just a really volatile relationship where they're just fighting all the time. Right. And it's not just about how he was abusing her, but it was just like, then he didn't do the dishes that day. And they're just like fighting and screaming. It's contentious. And it could just be that. Right. And honestly, like if she hits him and he rapes her, there's something about that that's not exactly the same to me. Uh, No. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm just saying they could have been that couple on the block that was always fighting. Right. You know? Yeah, 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 totally. And then he takes advantage of the situation and calls and says, look what she's doing to me, because that's out in the open. Right, 100%. So now it turns out that tests prove, remember she did that evidence collection kit? Popularly known as a rape kit. Yeah, yeah. So these tests come back because Lorena had these charges against John, so she had to go to a doctor and see, like, did you have sex, yes or no? The tests come back and say that tests done on Lorena Bobbitt indicate she had sexual intercourse before the cutting incident. In statements to police, John Bobbitt has denied having sex with his wife that morning. Mr. Bobbitt made several different statements, uh, and his account in in all these statements differs greatly from Mrs. Bobbitt's account. So, correction to the lawyer, he's too stupid to lie well. Right. He's not too stupid to lie. He just can't lie well. We learned from the journalist that in order to prove spousal rape, it has to meet two conditions. Mm-hmm. Number one, they have to be separated at the time of the crime. And number two, the crime, the rape, had to cause permanent bodily damage. That is what man... Utter bullshit. Yeah. Like, what what group of men got together and came up with those two? Like, that's the only way you can prove marital rape. And he does make a point to say, like, at least in this state back then. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully... God, the old gods and the new, Marsha and Sylvia, like, <laughs> yeah. the, the shit has changed. Right. But back then, in 1990-whatever, this is what we were dealing with. Yeah, and so they can't prove spousal rape, so they charge him with malicious sexual assault. And now he's facing 20 years in prison. And also, you guys, if you're not screaming already, even back then, not all states even acknowledged that a husband could rape his exactly. wife. Exactly. What? I know. I Where know. are we? I know. I know. I know. The Twilight Zone's a great show. I don't want to live in it. <laughs> And then we hear, like, the John and Lorena story. Yeah, they met at the Marine Corps ball, and he thought she was really pretty, and his parents didn't want him to marry her, but he did it anyway. Not only did they not want him to marry her, they wanted her to go back to her country. Right. Oof. I know. Woof. <laughs> yeah, and he says, he's like... Settling down, getting married too young, too fast was not a good thing for me, and it probably wasn't a good thing for her either. Yeah, not only did they get married really young, they got married seemingly immediately. Right. Like, really fast. Yeah. So they clearly didn't know anything about each other. Right. So, look, they're both going on trial. Mm-hmm. Her for cutting off the pee and him for maybe raping her. Definitely raping and her. Definitely raping her. And so it's decided that John's trial is going to go first. You guys, we're at the trial. 
It's a media circus. People are making t-shirts and underwear. I know. It's so garbage. It's like America at its worst. Because they're in Manassas, Virginia, which people were like, used to be known for the Civil War, but not now that's <laughs> shots of shit and we're here for the Bobbitt trial. And they're like, Manassas, Virginia, a cut above the rest. Oh, I also did boxer shorts for his trial that said, uh, Manassas, Virginia, don't cut me short. What does that even mean? Cut above the rest at least makes sense. Like, we're a great town. <laughs> don't cut me short? What I are you know. saying? I know. And, you know, and now, of course, like like anything that happens in the 90s, like the OJ trial, the Nancy Kerrigan thing, it was a media circus, 24-hour news coverage. Yeah, the guy from 7-Eleven is like, I gave him the ice that right. his peen was on. He hasn't thanked me yet. <laughs> I'm still waiting. And I'm like, oh, my God. But this is where we see the de-evolution of, like, our news culture because yes. suddenly like CNN like an actual like a reputable news source feels like they've got to cover this 24-7 because they've got to compete with the fucking USA Network yeah they're like you guys is, who's going to talk to the guy from 7-Eleven with the ice <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> get on it he's looking for a thank you yeah this is important we got to put this in prime time so now we're into John I don't know how we got here but we're here yeah about John Wayne Bobbitt. His name is John Wayne. Uh, it's, he has a John Wayne mug. I know. Oh, I know. So he's like, look, I wasn't hammered, okay? Here's here's what I drank that night. Right. The night before the incident. According to John Wayne Bobbitt, I don't believe a word he says. Of course not. We hung out in a few clubs and had a few uh, beers, Budweiser's, and... We had what's called the B-52. People think it's a strong drink, but it's not. It's a candy drink. It's a Bailey's Clue and Grand Marnier. It's a three-layered shot. It's a candy drink. It's not, not a lot of alcohol. So we had two, two of those. Children gather around. <laughs> a B-52 shot, according to him, is Bailey's, uh-huh. Kahlua, and Grand Marnier. That is correct. Former bartender. Right. But it's all alcohol. Right. Don't act like it's a kamikaze. No. Where it's like, it's cut with with some stuff. Right. You're just doing shots of alcohol. And he's going to say there's not a lot of alcohol in it. You guys, Grand Marnier is 80 proof. It's vodka. It's the same as vodka. In my notes, I have, quote, not a lot of alcohol, all in caps. Sweetheart, it's all alcohol. <laughs> all three ingredients are right. alcohol. Exactly. He's garbage. You, he's garbage. And he's like, I went home, I wasn't drunk. He's like, you guys, I even folded my clothes. What drunk person folds their clothes? The same kind of drunk person who's like, here's the water and aspirin, you dumb idiot. Right. And also, next morning. it was Lorena who folded the clothes. You know it was Lorena. Yeah, to come and clean. She had to step over his sleeping ass friend on the uh-huh. floor. She probably no gave him homo. a kick for good measure. <laughs> right, exactly. Folded his goddamn clothes for the 900th time that day. Yeah, and then John's- And John's, you know he's snoring. Oh, totally. And John thinks that he's the only person in the world who works, because he's like, I don't know if anyone knows what it feels like to be tired, <laughs> but uh, I was tired, and like, I was dead to the world and couldn't wake up, and I, you know, I work super hard. I'm the best at everything, he's, so I don't know if anyone really knows. He's trying to justify why, when his wife cut his dick off, he didn't. He laid in bed for another five minutes. Yeah. He was hammered. 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 We meet two jurors. And one of them is good and one of them is garbage. Yes, Kenneth is garbage. Gar- can we get a ding? Yeah. He, he tries to meet- tell Lorena how to dress. Oh, I, I, I cannot. I'm gonna I know. skewer him in about a minute. <laughs> but Kenneth, the juror, is like... Mr. John Wayne Bobbitt. Seemed like a, um, a, a very likable kind of guy. In my notes, <laughs> barf. <laughs> then we meet Becky, who we love. <laughs> And Becky tells us, like, real facts. Right. Instead of, like, he was likable. Becky's right. like, here's the deal, guys. Gather around. Let the women do the work. Right. <laughs> we could only consider the, the night in question, I guess, about, about the rape. We could not consider um, her actions after or all the things that he had done before. So, like, two before and three after. Right. And it cuts to Lorena. And Lorena's like, you guys, he was raping me for years. And the thing is, like, the reason the test came back and it said that, and this is, I'm sorry, everybody, trigger warning for this, like, that there wasn't any, quote, significant damage. Yeah. To her body. To her body. Is because she says, like, 
sometimes I just didn't fight him because he was going to do it anyway. And the more I fought him, the more aggressive he was. So just because she's laying there doesn't mean it's consensual. And the question is, if you like, if you really look at the words, it's like, all right, so after you had sex in the hallway on the floor, John says forced sex excites me. He says that forced sex, this is in the transcript. Yes. It is so vile to read it. And now think about it. You can do whatever you want in your house consensually. If that, yeah. if you're like, ooh, let's spice it up and do it in the hallway, yeah, great. Yeah, great. Wonderful. In the context of this, yeah. it does not seem like they were trying to spice things up no. and take things out of the bedroom and have some fun in the hallway. Yeah, no. So this is where fucking Kenneth, the juror, oh, this? is saying like, you know, Lorena was just inconsistent. Like some days she'd show up in house dresses and other days she'd put on makeup and run a comb through her damn hair. It's like pick a lane. Right. And then he says, this made me see red. He was like, you know. I got this dual conflicting personality thing from her. She wanted to be the victim, but at the same time, she wanted to be a strong woman. And I'm like, what a monster. Uh, right. Who's exactly. been abused and, and raped that, yeah, she's she's crying, but still trying to be strong. Uh-huh. What an asshole. Uh-huh. Guilty. Like, right. what are you saying? I know. This fucking guy. I know. I know. It was crazy that she would kind of flip-flop back and forth. If you're going to try to get your case won, you should stick to a theme and stay with it. Are you serious? It's unreal. So whatever. The trial's over. The jury is deliberating. We get the good juror talking about, like, what the deliberations were like. I do remember just sitting at that table and everybody is talking about it around me. And I remember just looking at all of them and they were all so very um, set in how they believed on how it should be. Right, and then we get Ken saying like... One of the women that was sitting next to me uh, kept saying in her heart, I just know in my heart that, you know, that he did it. You know, you can't make a vote from your heart. You got to vote with your head and you got to vote with what's on the table in front of you. And basically he's talking about Becky. Right. He's like, Becky, that dumb woman with her small brain and her emotions right. is hysterical. <laughs> right, right. And ruining exactly. the party. Yeah. And, you know, the jury was really limited by, by only being able to look at that really short time frame. Yeah, and the thing is, it was a jury of nine women and three men and right. they come back with a not guilty verdict. That made my heart break. And then the episode ends with like John walking out of the out of the court. Oh, this is amazing. Lawyer. This is like the most ridiculous thing. The lawyer walks up to the microphones and just fucks up. Anybody who's met John and spent time around with John, the one thing that everybody has told me consistently is that he's incapable of telling the truth. Even when it hurts him, he's incapable of telling the truth. I mean, I mean, tell him, ah, scrape that. He's like, oh, God, I mean, he's like, ah, scratch that. Thank God I didn't say it upstairs, am I right? And I'm like, idiot. are you kidding me? I know, I know. But, like, the trial's over, so he can fuck up all he wants. Right, it doesn't matter. And then we learn, it's like, okay, this was just a dress rehearsal, because the opening night is Lorena's trial. And that's how it ends. Yeah. Knowing full well that we're so amped, and that it's like, now we're going to see how horribly she was treated by the media. 100%. Great. Can't wait. I know. Girl, we did it. I love talking about this with you. I know. I do, too. I get really amped. You guys, come to our Pride Show June 29th, Saturday night. It's the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. Once again, I'm doing the Pride Tours all day Mm -hmm. for anybody who wants to come. Tickets are going fast. There's only like 100 seats left. Yeah. It's a 600-seat theater. Come meet your fellow TCL fam. Oh, it's going to be so fun. Hang with our drag queen. See our comic. Mm -hmm. My sister's going to be there. It's going to be so amazing. Come see us live. Go to the CS Live section of our website and Mm -hmm. check it out. Okay, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. 
You guys, thanks for checking out episode one of our coverage of Lorena. If you loved it and you want to hear our other three episodes, you can subscribe for just $5 a month at patreon.com slash truecrimeobsessed. Once again, if you do that, you guys, you'll automatically also get almost 90 other full bonus episodes to binge right this second, including our coverage of Serial Season 1, The Jinx, The Staircase, and Making a Murderer. Once again, that's patreon.com slash truecrimeobsessed, or just click the Patreon link on our website. All right, you guys, have a great weekend. Bye. Bye.